guys, this is the Lament Configuration, the horror podcast that beats all other horror podcasts out there on the internet. My name is Greg Knox, and I'm here with my regular co-host, Rhea Fend. Hi, Greg. So, how's it going, Rhea? Oh, awesome, thank you. Glad to be back on the show. That's all right, I'm glad to have you back. Um, so, our last show, we covered the best films from 2016, and I was thinking about sort of what I wanted to do on all the shows that are coming up and I've been thinking that throughout my life I've had this attraction, this interest in films that other people consider disturbing or just they just can't deal with, they just can't handle it essentially. How about you Ria? Yeah we're reading from the same page here, Um, controversy and extreme horror films and that's something that we have in common. Exactly. So one of the things I wanted to do when I was a DJ on Crowing Radio on my show was I wanted to talk about the video nasties. So my plan was to review all 72 video nasties. And so I thought, you know what, I've got my own podcast now. I don't have to worry about kind of disturbing content. I don't have to worry about swearing. It's great. So why not just do it on the show now? So... Um, so that's what we're going to do. So we are going to talk about all 72 video nasties on the show coming up. So for anyone listening who doesn't know what a video nasty is, well, <laughs> here I am to tell you. So basically, a video nasty is a term that only exists in the UK. So essentially, a video was uh, when it became popular in the early 80s, videos did not need to be classified by the British Board of Film Classification because they were different from cinema. So what happened was basically anyone could go to a video shop and buy any video. Um, So it didn't matter what the film was. It can be, you know, a mainstream film or an independent film or a horror film. And they would all just be sort of, you know, completely uncut and uncensored. Um, However, what happened was that society at the time was crumbling because it was the 80s and, you know, Margaret Thatcher was uh, in charge. And people wanted to blame something for the downfall of society. So naturally, these violent horror films, mostly horror films anyway, um, were blamed for this. And a moral campaign led by Mary Whitehouse and the National Viewers and Listeners Association kind of led to films being prosecuted under the Obscene Publications Act 1959. Um, So this specific bill which is brought in Parliament by Graham Bright, um, is called the Video Recordings Act 1984. So there are 72 films that basically could not be released uncut. If you release them uncut, then you could be fined or at worst go to prison. Um, however, we don't live in a society like that anymore. All these films, you know, you can't get arrested for selling them anymore thankfully because that would just be ridiculous and most of the films to be honest now are just released uncut anyway some of them are not but that's fine we can kind of go through that sort of as we go along um however if you know you're listening to a show where you know we're going to be talking about really disturbing films and you know that we're going to be talking about video nasties why the fuck are you listening to this if you're likely to be offended anyway but um in case you are don't say that i didn't warn you because i understand really that you have uh something that you would like to read out for all our listeners out there yeah so i prepared you a surprise i took the liberty of preparing us a warning for our listeners so i will now take liberty of reading that out Warning, the following broadcast may contain spoilers, extreme language, violence, and topics considered graphic or adult, not for those of a sensitive disposition. 
So, I, anyone who isn't me, basically, yeah. Yeah, um, so we're literally as uncensored as our um, 80s video nasties at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, let's get this thing started. So, if we're going to start talking about video nasties, um, why not let's talk about one of the granddaddies of the video nasties movement, which is Cannibal Holocaust, which is probably one of, if not the most infamous video nasties that there was at the time. Um, so, Cannibal Holocaust um, was released in 1980, and it was directed by Ruggiero Diodato. Um, now, Diodato is on the video nasties list twice. It's for this and House on the Edge of the Park. Um, Cannibal Holocaust is actually not Diodato's first cannibal movie. This is actually his follow-up to a film called Jungle Holocaust. Um, so he's obviously no stranger to cannibal movies. However, this one had a, a lot more impact overall. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's a 1980 movie, and I've got the synopsis here if you'd like to hear it. Yeah, sure. During a rescue mission into the Amazon forest, a professor stumbles across a lost film shot by a missing documentary crew. Um, harking back to the beginning of what would be found footage films that have inspired so many that are currently being shown at cinemas. Yeah, so um, it's quite interesting because the main character in this film is played by Harold Kerman, who interestingly used to be a porn star before he was in Cannibal Holocaust. So it's actually quite a weird kind of career move to make going from sort of porn to really violent cannibal films. Yeah, um, and I actually read that after they they made this movie that he was trying to get into mainstream films, but I think this, this film initially ruined that for him because he went back to porn straight after making this film. Yeah. <laughs> so well, back to his regular uh, moneymaker there. Although interestingly, uh, Robert Kerman has also been in Spider-Man, so he did kind of get into a mainstream film, just unfortunately about 20 years later. Oh, okay, got, you got there in the end. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, keep trying out there. It doesn't matter what kind of film you're in. It could be in porn, you can be in cannibal movies, but, you know, you may get somewhere eventually. Um, so, um, what did you think of Cannibal Holocaust? Well, I love it how we're, like, easing our listeners in with a nice, gentle start to Video Nasties there, straight in there with the brutal cannibal movie. Oh, of course. Uh, it's a fantastic start to things. Mm. Start means to go on, Greg. <laughs> of course, absolutely. You know, this is why not? Yeah, don't hold back. Um, so I had seen this film twice before, and I've just rewatched it. And it is—it's one—it's a classic film. If you're a horror fan, you have to see this movie just because it is so renowned for its controversy, and it, it's pretty damn shocking. It's its a good movie, but an uncomfortable watch, and that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely an understatement, as we'll discuss. Um, so I really, really like this film. It's actually one of my favourite Italian horror films, and one of the reasons I love it so much is the score by Rizzo Tolani, especially the main theme that you hear at the start of the film, um, which okay. is very very disconcertingly kind of mellow and gentle it sort of completely does not prepare you for what is going to happen it kind of puts you sort of at this full sense of security right away uh, and it's sort of not too sort of over the top or sort of too sort of saccharine as uh, we will hear later on <laughs> um yeah. So, um, but also what I liked um, as well is his, was his score sort of generally throughout the film itself. So you've got all the sort of, I guess, industrial sounding sort of score in the middle where you've got the boom, 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 like 
all that kind of stuff going on in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, I on that too. It's like, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, particularly in like the last sort of 10 minutes, I do think the score is really, really good when you actually are watching the footage of the crew being eaten and raped in the woman's case. Um, so the, the music that they use there really, really adds to it. And I think it adds to a lot of the more disturbing scenes as well. I think if you took that score out and you replaced it with something else, it, this the scenes themselves wouldn't be anywhere near as effective in my opinion yeah it's true the, the soundtrack and the score does actually make the film um, but it's very well shot and well put together and there are a lot of kind of messages in here about like hum, human beings as destructors I guess that's how I feel about it yeah, so it's like the message of the film is who are the real cannibals. So you've got this documentary crew who at the start are presented as kind of lost and you kind of, uh, you're, the way that the film presents them is like you're worried about them, but then kind of as you see the footage, you know actually these people are really vicious and nasty and very exploitative. Um, almost kind of in a way a commentary on sort of the filmmaking process itself. Um, then yeah, you kind of your sympathies definitely definitely move away from them. Um, it's interesting because um, this film is kind of the earliest example that I know of of found footage. However, the found footage conceit is not the whole movie. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about before um, this review is if the film was remade for whatever reason. I mean, fuck if you can remake like Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave, you can definitely remake Cannibal Holocaust. At least it has name value. Yeah, um, that could happen, couldn't it? I hadn't yeah. that, to be honest. But I was thinking if they did remake it, I have a horrible feeling that they would just do it all entirely as found footage. I think so, yeah, because it's just so prominent at the moment. But you have got that, like, sort of fake... Obviously, you don't know it's fake when you if you were watching this um, in, the, in 1980. Um, but the fake documentary style. Yeah, and it's quite interesting because you actually is a scene... Um, near the middle of the film although in the footage itself is near the beginning of them kind of all getting ready i think the 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 faye daniels character has kind of just had a shower and she's naked in front of all the rest of the crew it was 1980 everyone was a lot more liberate liberated back then <laughs> and they're kind yeah, of being it also, it also bit... seems to have a lot more pubic hair as uh, <laughs> in the 80s it's like whoa <laughs> it was 1980 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on now um yeah, we expect from the 80s but still yeah. exactly the brazilian did not exist in 1980s <laughs> um but yeah those bits were a little bit i don't know a little bit misogynistic if i was being totally honest but um yeah the film would be entirely like that so the first half of the film would be them just dicking around at the start and then them going to the jungle and then you would kind of the end would probably be the same but yeah, that's how I imagine it would be. Although, because it's found footage, you know, unfortunately, after this came the Blair Witch Project, and then I suppose Paranormal Activity and Wreck and things like that. But we also have films such as like The Devil Inside, uh, Devil's Due. So basically, if you want to make a bad film, put the word devil in the title. Um, Gallows and kind of films like that, which are just terrible. I saw Gallows at the cinema when it came out. Um, I got like a free sort of um, complimentary ticket, so I went along. <laughs> oh dear. Well, yeah, you still so paid too it. much money to see it. I got it for free, so yeah. <laughs> 
Well, exactly. Um, so yeah, so unfortunately we have Cannibal Holocaust to thank for films like that. Um, but in this, uh, it actually works really well. So the structure of the film is you've got the first half, which is uh, the professor trying to find, you know, what, find out what happened to the documentary crew and ultimately him finding the footage. And then the second half is kind of them reviewing the footage. And there's kind of some scenes between the professor and some network executives that did remind me of Network, the Stanley LeMay film um, from 1976, where you've got sort of the executives who are kind of just, you know, all about sensationalism and, you know, the professor who's sort of saying like, no, you can't show this. Which is quite interesting to think that, like, you know, there's a TV channel in theory, in no, the world of film, admittedly, that would put, like, footage of this just on TV just for people to see. I actually found that quite funny. Yeah, it, it's um, pretty disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> mm. um, so I do think, like, because um, one of the reasons that this film is so famous is people thought it was a legitimate snuff movie. After the film was released, the director was actually arrested. Is that right? Yeah. So um, Diodato was arrested um, in Italy and he was taken to court because people thought the actors actually died in the film, which nowadays you get told that and you find that absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. but he'd actually staged it. So he'd, he'd got the actors to disappear for a year, hadn't he? Or he'd made them sign the disclosure. Yeah, he made them sign like a... A kind of non-appearance contract so basically they just had to disappear for a year to make it look real so almost like the Blair Witch Project in a way that's kind of where they got that gimmick from where you know as part of the marketing of the film they wanted the actors to appear as if they'd actually died and people believed it <laughs> so you know hey well done Diodato um, but unfortunately he almost went to prison so you know could have gone very very badly wrong and yeah he had to kind of prove um different things were you know that to prove a the actors hadn't actually died and two um there's the infamous scene of the cannibal woman sort of impaled on a like a, a large wooden spike and they had to kind of prove sort of how they did that that there's actually a bicycle seat which you don't see because of very creative yeah. kind of editing and things like that yeah, upon watching it, it is really convincing. You can't see the bicycle seat, and she just like she just st uh, sits there so still, like you can you can just like not even see you know a flinch or anything. So it's ridiculously convincing if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't sit on a bicycle seat with like you know this fake sort of wooden sort of stick sort of hanging out my mouth. You know, I just I don't think I'd be able to do that. But hey, you know, this woman did. Um, it's so quite a long time like even just the bit that's shown so she must have been there for quite a while just like holding still <laughs> yeah exactly impressive. um now uh no humans died making cannibal holocaust um but we can't say the same for any animals so uh unfortunately um as was the practice at the time in these sort of cannibal films um there was genuine animal death in the film um so the most extreme of which, which is interestingly not cut on the version that I have, is the death of the turtle, which goes on for about two minutes. And even though the turtle doesn't make any noise, it is very, very hard to watch. I've seen Cannibal Holocaust three times now, like yourself. Yeah. And each time I just can't watch those scenes. Do you know the, the worst part about that, the turtle death, though, is that actually when they're doing it it's just so disrespectful because they're just messing about as well so like they they cut the head off and then he's like pretending to lick it 
And then he's like messing around, like putting the head inside like the shell and like mashing it into the like inside organs and stuff. And it's just like, it's not even like serious slaughter. It's just like um, they're playing basically, which is just the most disrespectful thing. But it is just so difficult to watch because even when it, its head gets cut off straight away, the rest of its limbs are still moving independently for so long, like for the whole scene. Uh, yeah, just, I'm well, shocked it managed to stay alive for as long as it did, you know, to be honest. I mean, fair play to the turtle. Well, yeah, and then even after the head's been disconnected for a considerable amount of time in that scene, it does uh, its jaws snapping at the end, which is just, like, it's so bleak, like, watching that scene. Yeah. Long and drawn out, like you say. Yeah, oh, very much so. I mean, that was the worst one for me. Um, the, although, as I said, that's not actually cut on the version that I have. Um, the death that is cut is of the Cotamundi. Which, what's, what's a Cotamundi? So it's like a furry, it's a furry creature. It sort of looks like, I don't know, I thought it was a muskrat, but apparently that's what it's called. It's called Cotamundi. It's the first animal that dies. Um, and you can hear it dying, which isn't very nice, but in the version that I've got, you can't actually see it die. Oh, um, I think I've got the same version as you. I got, so I was bought this DVD as a present, um, before I'd even watched it for my birthday a couple of years ago. Wow. You got Cannibal Holocaust as a birthday present. That's the kind of company <laughs> to keep, apparently. Wow. One of my very good friends, Aaron Martin, he bought me that as a, a lovely, jolly old birthday gift. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, the edition that I've got is the Shameless edition with the band cover art, so the, the like quite gruesome cover art. Yeah, I mean, that cover art is actually, believe it or not, one of the reasons that the, the film got in trouble in the first place, because you've got the cannibal munching on the person's guts kind of in great detail. And yeah, that really riled people up for whatever yeah. reason. I'm not surprised. It is kind of eye-catching if you see that cover. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you've got the, the cotton money. I think I must have the same version of you because you can hear the animal dying, but you can't really see it. So I think they just use different footage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've got a list of the animal deaths here. So it's that after the cotton money, it's the turtle. Then a spider, which they kind of do more out of in defence for themselves because they're scared. Then it's a pretty a... big fucking spider, to be fair. I'd be, I'd shit myself as well. <laughs> I would if I was in a tropical jungle. To be fair. Yeah, that spider was massive. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty damn huge. <laughs> then next is a snake, which is oh, that's quite an epic scene as well because uh, they end up chopping off that guy's leg and like cauterizing it which is the start of a lot of grim happenings. Yeah. Um, and there's the pig as well, isn't there, which gets shot by one of the actors. Yeah, so it's the snake and then the monkey and then the pig, which gets shot. Um, and then there's, like, obviously other brutalities after that, but not animal-related. Yeah, oh, I forgot about the monkey. Yeah, that's a very, very grim. Like, the monkey getting its head sort of cut off and its brains eaten. Like, what a way to go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's not as uncomfortable as the turtle death, but it, it is high up on the list of things like in this film that really sort of made my stomach turn. Yeah, I did feel sorry for the pig as well, because the pig, like, just, it got shot. <laughs> and then, yeah. 
you know, I think they had to carry on filming, like in the, as it was sort of dying there, making all this noise. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Apparently, there was a monologue that was supposed to be performed either during or after the pig was shot, and he, the actor actually messed it up because he'd practiced it beforehand, and he's like, he'd like got it, you know, correct. And then when they actually did kill the pig, it, it threw him off because he heard it. He heard it squeal, I think, and then yeah. he couldn't, you know, get it right. <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly understandable. Um, so clearly, it's obviously wrong to kill animals, and it's very redundant, I suppose, to argue sort of otherwise. Um, however, the argument you, I suppose, could make is that because you see these animals dying for real. And you have the footage from the lost, uh, the lost road for, to hell, uh, last road to hell. Sorry, last road to hell documentary footage that you see, like that the documentary crew made in inverted commas, where you see actual execution footage. Um, that it kind of adds to the vermicillitude of the film itself because you know you've got this which is real and you've got this which is real. Therefore, everything else that happens in the film must therefore be real as well. Yeah, yeah. So the context and the setting is quite cleverly done in that sense. And um, because, like, we didn't have the amount of sort of uh, research that we can quite easily do on the internet back in 1980, um, as we can do now, uh, they wouldn't know if there was some tribe that hadn't yet been discovered hiding deep in a jungle that, that might eat you if you go there. So there was that added danger of like all of the unknown um, that you just wouldn't really hear about no. because the lack of of uh, you know information. I suppose such- uh, I was going to say I suppose the best that they could have hoped for was probably CFAX back then. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine that? What was that CFAX game that you used to get? I was used to play, and then <laughs> next to that you've got like facts about cannabis, right? <laughs> Yeah, that'd be very weird. Like I remember when you used to have to like to get holidays to get deals on holidays. You have to wait for about hundred different pages to go through, and if you forgot to pause on that particular page, you had to then wait for another twenty minutes for the page to come back up again. Oh dear, CFAX, those are the days. You did it. It was color coded, wasn't it? So you had like four colors. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like using a spectrum or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving swiftly away from CFAX, um, so yes, so you've got these animals who are dying, but like you said, the film doesn't sort of hold back on sort of, um, what you see on screen in terms of, uh, human atrocity as well, although this is obviously not real, um, despite what the Italian courts tried to argue at the time. So you've got, um, a woman getting what appears to be mud put in her vagina and then she's beaten to death with a rock. Um, you have the woman on the spike, as we said earlier. Um, you've got a woman having to abort a baby. I think that's what goes on in that scene. Again, it's kind of hard to tell it's, sometimes. Yeah, like, they like call it social surgery, or oh, that's what it's... Um, kind Primitive of. justice. Yeah, um, that's just awful. <laughs> it's just so bad. But yeah. they've deliberately done it as like, an abortion just to add to the controversy because they're ticking all of those boxes in this film. Yeah. And you also have, again, um, and you will see this kind of as we go ahead, um, 
certain tropes um, of these cannibal films. Like, for example, you have the, uh, well, they're not really good cannibals, but they're the sort of more friendly cannibals, the ones that are less likely to want to eat you as long as you're nice to them. And then you've got the very kind of angry cannibals who will just eat anyone. Um, So that trope is obviously in this film. Yeah, so two tribes of cannibals, um, they don't work together, do they? But they're not necessarily enemies, am I right? No, you don't really see... Um, there is kind of... Uh, no, there is that one scene sort of uh, about 20 minutes into the film where um, the professor and his guide kind of help the um, Yanomomo tribe. I think, yeah, one of them is called the Yanomomo and I can't remember what the other one's called. They're like the tree people, I think, are the bad cannibals. And, yeah. And, like, he kind of helps them fight off the evil tree cannibals. Um, so yeah, there's that aspect of it. And yeah, there's obviously the last 10 minutes, which is kind of the, uh, the grimmest part, I suppose, where you get the people being like full on sort of killed, eaten, raped and what have you as well. It builds up kind of from there gradually. It's like the, the animal, um, cruelty starts as like in self-defense then it becomes like kind of them sort of playing around, like messing around. Um, and that's when they sort of start to offend the tribes. Then they set their village on fire, but pretend it's the other tribe when really it's them. Um, and then they do, they're doing various things like pissing in their rivers, which they don't like. And um, then they did, there's this whole power play thing of the, the couple having sex in front of them while they're watching. And they're like, oh, this is how we do it. And it's like sort of proving the hierarchy of things. And this is like on the burning rubble of of their homes. So it's all very much like sort of stating their power. And the, the good tribe are just watching this as, as onlookers, like helpless. And then, you know, sort of as we come towards the grimmest scene, as you say, it's almost like the, the bad tribe sort of re- reaps revenge on these Westerners who have come in there and spoiled their, you know, surroundings and their culture. So in a way, it's almost like they do kind of deserve it after all the bad things that they've done. Well, no, they definitely deserve it. Because as you said, like all the different actions that they, they take in the film. Yeah, absolutely. However, you know, I still found like the whole, the last sort of 10 minutes of the film um, very, very, you know very disturbing and very uncomfortable and by the end it does kind of give you that sense like i mean the best film i always use as an example of this is how i felt at the end of requiem for a dream which is where you kind of just feel kind of drained afterwards and but yet exhilarated kind of like you've just seen like this really horrific thing but it's kind of really touched you emotionally and kind of that's kind of how i felt at this just the whole combination of the footage and the score and what you're seeing on screen, it's sort of really, it's so powerful. And that's what puts it ahead of all the other cannibal films because it's got, you know, intrinsically, it has the same plot. So you've got white people go to the jungle, piss off the natives, and they all get killed. But the way the structure of the film, the way it's been written, um, now the main writer of the film is a guy called Gianfranco Cerici, who, as well as making, uh, helping Diodata with uh, other films that he's made, he also wrote a couple of uh, Jally for Lucio Fulci, one of which is Don't Torture a Duckling, which is one of the best Jally of all time. Um, so clearly there was a lot of talent there behind the scenes 
So, um, yeah, the fact they put this together is definitely a testament to to their talent and the fact that it's still the one that people most closely remember in this particular sub-genre, yeah, as they just, say. Yeah, there are just, like I say, there are so many, like, controversial boxes ticked there. One of the things that stands out, like, in the sort of satisfaction of the Westerners getting their just, just desserts at the end is the fact that I noticed that, so at, following the turtle... Um, decapitation and, and killing scene, which we, you know, just find so uncomfortable and unnecessary. At the end, when they rape the woman as the Westerners raped one of their women, so they're directly, you know, giving that back to, uh, you know, in the same way that they've done that. It's almost like they actually kill that woman in the same way as the turtle was killed. I don't know if you notice that it's mirrored. Uh, I didn't really notice that. What I mainly notice is the men raping the woman and then the cannibal women getting all pissed off and chasing them away and then beating her to death with sticks. Yeah, yeah. It's just incredible. Like, it's just unbearable. Um, there is that. That really stood out to me is that they're, they're taking revenge in like a direct way. Like, they they cut her head off and and then they start to gut her, like, in the same way that the turtle was gutted. <laughs> It's all very similar. So it does, you kind of feel satisfied, but at the same time, it's all just so like incredibly disgusting and, and grim that it is just like an emotional roller coaster, really. And that's why it feels so draining. Yeah. yeah. If, like you say, you do reflect on kind of humanity and the destruction of human beings and like what, what, we, what we're capable of, essentially. Um, the two things finally um, which kind of stood out to me is one um, I think at the end it's Alan so Alan's like the main guy in the documentary crew he's the one with the camera at the end and he's basically filming his girlfriend being raped and murdered by cannibals which kind of does tie into his character and it does kind of make sense because you'd obviously think a normal person would run away and try and get as far away as possible but he wants that shot so much that like you know he's filming this atrocity against someone that well he's supposed to love you know yeah but wasn't he trying to sort of when when they were raping the tribeswoman in that horrendous scene at the end where they're just sort of taking turns which is just horrific um he's there with his you know sort of his love interest and isn't he trying to sort of get in on that as well and she's going no stop it and she's getting really distressed but they're all just carrying on aren't they so it's really sort of like so like grim and like she she doesn't even recognize their characters anymore because it just gets out of control Mm. Yeah, and finally... That stood out, it's like before he died. Did you not think that guy with the blonde moustache must model himself on Hulk Hogan? (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, well... (laughs) That's before they cut his penis off, because I believe that they do do that in the true um, trend that we see in these cannibal movies. Yeah, that happens quite a lot in these cannibal films, as we will uh, as we will find out as the show develops. Um, yeah, they love sort of a good old uh, penis cutting in these <laughs> cannibal films. Um, yes, yeah, so the guy you're talking about, that is actually quite interesting because um, 
Perry Perkinen is that guy's name, and also Robert Kerman. Um, they also appear in Cannibal Ferox, so they sort of tie to the cannibal subgenre. So I guess they must have made their notoriety in this film. Um, Either that or nobody else wanted to be in them. <laughs> possibly, yeah, that's also could be true. Um, yeah. The last thing that I also found, found was quite funny is um, because this is the precursor to the found footage subgenre, um, this has the very first example of a character in a found footage film telling someone to turn the camera off oh right yeah which happens in every single found footage film ever made so uh this definitely was groundbreaking in many many ways yeah yeah no that makes sense now started off a, a huge trend especially for like 2016 <laughs> <laughs> definitely um so um one of the questions i'm going to be asking in all these films is um do we agree that this should have been a video nasty and i think for this film it's going to be a very very easy yes i would say yeah you get a hell yes from me on that one <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah okay yeah um absolutely a video nasty um for many 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 reasons as discussed um due to uh rape and sort of all the the violence that goes on in the film and just the general kind of uh, unpleasantness of it even though it's not as sleazy as some of the other films that we're going to talk about but just the overall power of it just yeah. um, definitely i think as well when you watch a film and even like watching it today after we know like what uh, can be faked and sort of not faked and what you know what we can be deceived with in movie making it's like when they're blurring the lines between what's actually real and what isn't real quite successfully. For me, that always makes it like sort of that much more likely to be banned because it's very difficult to see like where reality begins and ends with this. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so, as we've already mentioned, um, if you want to buy Cannibal Holocaust um, and you're in the UK, you can do that via Shameless. Um, there are actually two versions of the film on the DVD itself. Um, there's a version which is basically uncut, uh, pretty much, and there's a version that, if you are averse to animal cruelty, has all the animal cruelty taken out. But I imagine even with it all taken out, it probably is still very shocking nonetheless. Um, so, yeah, if you want to do that, um, check it out by all means. Mm -hmm. So, um, the second film we're going to discuss today is uh, another film with the word cannibal in the title. This is Cannibal Apocalypse. Now, this one, being in the tradition of Italian horror films, has about a billion other names. Um, so, this is also known as The Cannibals Are In The Streets. Very catchy name. Cannibals <laughs> In The Street. Cannibals In The City. Slightly different there. Cannibal Massacre. So, you know, that one's a little bit better. Hunter of the Apocalypse. Savage Apocalypse. The Slaughterers. Savage Slaughterers. Uh, invasion of the Flesh Hunters and Virus. So many, many, many different names. Um, I quite like um, Cannibal in the City, actually. It reminds me a bit of like, if they could turn it into a series a bit like Sex in the City. Yeah. Area uh, talk about shoes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could just be like, you know, exactly cannibals, you know, they move from. Um, from from the village they they get taken to new york city you know they they can be um, adopted by a rich family and then they show them sort of a vacuous western life and then they just become vacuous as well <laughs> or you could have the real synopsis which i have here so it is um 1980 film Gio giovanni lombardo uh, radice and john saxon 
are Vietnam net uh, vets that bring back contagious viruses that turn people into cannibals when bitten. Yes, that is essentially the very simple synopsis of the film. Unfortunately, the film itself, um, my opinion of it is it feels like three different films spliced together. Um, now, this is directed by uh, Antonio Margariti under his pseudonym Anthony M. Dawson. A uh, oh. very catchy American pseudonym there. So this is uh, common with American filmmakers and actors um, because um, people assume that, you know, unless you have an American name, you're not going to be marketable. So Mr. Margarita used, uh, that is his particular pseudonym. Uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radic in this film and in other films um, uses his pseudonym John Morgan. Yeah. Which, uh, so Margariti, his uh, other films that he's made, uh, video nasty wise, he's the co-director of Flesh for Frankenstein, which is a very fun film. Look forward to talking about that one. Um, uh, I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> oh well, you got that to look forward to. Um, he's also directed a couple of Jally. Um, his most famous Jally is called Seven Deaths in the Cat's Eye, which is quite an entertaining little gothic Jallo. Um, but his main success is in the Italian gothic horror, um, sort of uh, Mario Bava sort of territory. So films like Castle of, B of Blood and The Long Hair of Death. Um, I've seen Castle of Blood. It's very good. So I do highly recommend that one if you want to see the director's other work. So yes, as Ria's mentioned, uh, John Saxon of Nightmare on Elm Street and Black Christmas fame. And Giovanni Lombardo Radice, who turns up quite a lot in uh, this series. Um, he's also in Cannibal Ferox and House on the Edge of the Park. And he tends to be a character who kind of gets bullied or beaten up a lot, although he doesn't really do that in his film. In this film, he's given a little bit more weight. Um, and this film is very different from, say, Cannibal Holocaust or Cannibal Ferox in that he has cannibal in the title and technically the characters are cannibals, but it's very different from uh, your normal sort of stereotypical jungle cannibal film. I mean, what did you think of the film? Uh, yeah, I'll be honest, it really wasn't what I was expecting. Um, there wasn't that much gore or action, so it did seem a little bit, you know, sedate, especially compared to some of the other ones I've been watching. Um, my takeaway from this, from my notes, was that one of the opening lines was, it's time to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Which Have I you quite... never heard that expression before? I've heard it before, but I just liked it that that's how they opened the movie. I was like, right, okay, great. One of the things I also learned was the Vietnamese use dog bombs. You what? <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the film, so at the beginning of the film, um, John Saxon is sort of trying to rescue Giovanni Le Radich uh, um, from the Vietnamese, and the Vietnamese blow up one of his men uh, by using a dog. So they send a dog to him, the man goes to pet the dog, and the dog blows up. <laughs> oh, no way. Oh, okay. So that's a dog bomb. <laughs> that is a dog bomb, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You learn something new every day. So, <laughs> I didn't, uh, yeah, I'll make a note of that in case I need to send one out to anywhere, you know, just asking for a friend. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that I didn't find it that entertaining. It was interesting that it was different to your average, like you say, jungle tribal cannibal movie, but it wasn't that exciting. What, what do you make of it? 
Well, it's very interesting. So this film was written by uh, Margariti and Dardano Sarchetti, again under a pseudonym. Uh, now Sarchetti, um, he wrote all of Lucio Fulci's sort of best films with him, and he does have a reputation of being a very good screenwriter. His films do have a lot of depth uh, compared to a lot of Italian exploitation films. So it's not really surprising that you've got a film with Cannibal in the title. It's kind of an amalgamation of like, it starts off as a war film, then it becomes like, I guess, Rambo-esque, where you've got um radish's character is sort of hauled up in a mall um as, with a standoff against the police and a really inept biker gang who are trying to beat him up <laughs> because he tried to stop them sort of you know hitting on some women um and then you've got john saxon who is generally really good um he's very enjoyable presence in films um he's got this weird relationship with this sort of underage girl um there's one scene where sort of this girl really 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 unsubtly tries to hit on him by lifting up her skirt and he does something to her it looks as if he's bitten her on the pussy but it cuts away so quickly that you can't really tell yeah i just thought that was very weird does look like he bites her yeah that was very very he literally eats her pussy yeah, that was very strange indeed. I didn't yeah. know what to do with that either. <laughs> but then after that, it sort of moves into Cronenberg territory, which I thought was very different for an Italian exploitation film. So it becomes something like Shivers or Rabid, where you have this virus, which is, I guess the closest modern equivalent is like the Rage virus in 28 Days Later, where you have these, uh, they're kind of like zombies and they're kind of like cannibals. Yeah. And there's sort of a mixture of the two where there's this virus where you, which you pass by biting people and then they become cannibals as well. Yeah, it did It did remind me of 28 Days Later. That's the only reference I could think of when I watched it um, to compare it to. Yeah, no, I agree. And then somehow, like, but the, the weird thing is, is that even though that they haven't really made any effort to make the cannibal slash zombie people look any different from, you know, the rest of the characters. So other than they just have bite marks on them somewhere. Yeah. So sometimes it's a bit confusing to work out who's actually supposed to be doing what. Um, I mean, it's not as horrifying as it feels like it should be, you know, it does feel quite sort of like, like an action, a normal action film, but without much action, I guess. Yeah, it's very weird. Like the action scenes at the beginning felt like they were blatantly done, like just on a studio lot, and it's just like you know, it just didn't feel authentic at all. <clears throat> However, the rest of the film um, did improve from that. Um, one of the issues I had the film, I did enjoy the film, not as much as something like Cannibal Holocaust, but I did enjoy it. But I did find the pacing a bit weird, so that you would have the war scenes where all this stuff happened, and then you had the siege at the the shopping centre, and then the film went really, really slow. And then you had the scenes of all the people being bitten and the people escaping from the hospital. And that was quite quick. And then they got to the sewers where all the rats were. Um, and that's one of the reasons that is the reason that this film was actually um, prosecuted under the Obscene Publications Act, because there was a scene where a rat gets killed. Oh, uh, right. OK. But the scene itself only lasts for a couple of seconds. But that was apparently enough to, to get it prosecuted. Um, but yeah, during those scenes, again, it slows right down again. Yeah, it was very difficult to keep focus. So of the of the offensive parts of this film, we've got the she, so she get uh, the bit where he like sort of goes to perform oral sex and then bites her on the vagina. <laughs> but yeah, uh, again, you don't see that happening because yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's implied. Um, and then the the rat bit, and was there anything else that was like 
outwardly sort of offensive. No, I think that was it. I wouldn't even call the bit with the, the girl offensive, although she is clearly underage. Mm. Yeah, it's just a bit strange. It's nothing really. It's not as extreme as some of the other stuff that we discussed, you know, prior. No. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't think that, I mean, this is available. It's actually not available uncut. It is available on DVD in the UK. Um, it's available from Studio Canal, <laughs> which is very weird. Very, very high, uh, high level sort of, uh, distributor there. Um, but yeah, there's a very, very slight cut to remove the rat being killed because animal cruelty even today is something that the BBFC really, really frown upon. It's that and sexual violence. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I would... I think that these days this wouldn't really have made anybody bat an eyelid, probably. Um, no. So I'm not sure if I would classify this as video nasty worthy of, like... Not of today's standards, because we've got to bear in mind that this was made in 1980, but just... Looking back, it's like, well, uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that that was a video nasty. Yeah, I wouldn't, this definitely wouldn't be classified as a video nasty. I think the only reason it really, really got picked on is because it's got the word cannibal in the title. Yeah, I think so. I think if you take that out and you call it, I don't know, Invasion of the Flesh Hunters, which is a great name, um, then no, I, I, I think you could probably just exercise the rat scene, no problem. It literally adds nothing to the film and you just carry on from there and it's fine. Yeah, or like maybe Cannibal in the City. <laughs> yeah, or Cannibal in the City, indeed, indeed. Shopping for high heel shoes and like, you know, biting people on the neck randomly, that might work. Uh, was there actually any kind of, I mean, because there was the odd bite, but there wasn't actually any sort of... No gut munching yeah, in this film. as we called it. <laughs> no. Pussy munching, but no gut munching. Yeah, so overall, a bit disappointing, not sure. Yeah, it's probably just the title, like you say. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, um, so that's Cannibal Apocalypse. Um, now, the final film that we're going to discuss on the show today um, is Cannibal Terror. So it's our third film with Cannibal in the title. Again, you can see a theme developing here. Um, so this is actually a French film, although filmed mostly in Spain. Yeah. Um, so it's directed by Alain Jurel under the hilarious pseudonym Alan W. Steve. <laughs> Which is uh, one of the worst pseudonyms I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, uh, <laughs> take us away. Take us away on Cannibal Terror. What is this film? What happens in the film? Yeah, another 1980 film like the other two that we've discussed. And the synopsis is, after botching a kidnapping, two criminals hide with their victim in a friend's house in the jungle. After one of them rapes the friend's wife, they're left to be eaten by a nearby cannibal tribe. Um, and on the front of the original artwork, it says "Gut Munching Gore Hounds," a juicy video nasty on on DVD. Oh, that will have been when it was re-released. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm sure, like, they could see into the future and say, "Yep, this will get prosecuted as a video nasty." Yeah, uh, the strap line deep in the jungle, the flesh, the flesh eaters are waiting. <laughs> I like the gut munching gore hounds bit. That sounds um, very appealing. Yeah, that that's definitely you to a T, I would say. So I think that this is probably the worst in terms of good bad, and as in it's terrible, the worst cannibal movie I've ever seen. It's hilarious, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, what do you make of it? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so before I saw the film, um, obviously I went on IMDb and this has a 2.2 out of 10 rating on IMDb and 2.2 out of 10 is being generous. This film is fucking shit. <laughs> it really is. It's the absolute dirt worst. Yeah. Um, the acting is so terrible and I watched it with the English dub, which is absolutely just amazingly hilarious. With this kind of over the top sort of British, oh, rather sort of you know, <laughs> over the top. Yeah, it's uh, got such great lines as "You mind your own ass." My ass says, "Go fuck yourself." Yeah, I, I got I quoted that from the film as well. And a bit with the <laughs> bit with the, the little girl who was so incredibly annoying, and she wanted to ask, was it her father about a paper doll? And they went on about yeah. paper doll for ages, and then eventually it was like, oh, I've made you a paper cat. And it was just like, what the fuck are you actually going on about? It was just, it just looked like finger mouse. It was just like the most awkward scene I've ever, I've ever watched in my life and just brought no kind of value to the movie whatsoever. Yeah, it's really weird because what they've done, so I, I don't know if there was ever a non-English dub of this, but the English dub that we saw, the little girl in it, her, whoever did her voice is clearly an adult woman pretending to be a little girl, because she sounds like this for the whole film. Oh, Daddy, have you made a paper doll for me? Oh, my God, it is, it's just so cringeworthy. Oh, hello. <laughs> the music. Uh, was amazing just so cheesy as well <laughs> yeah yeah the music is absolutely hilarious it is really not fitting for the film whatsoever it's just so how i said like the music at the start of cannibal holocaust is really serene it almost gives you like a full sense of security as to what you're gonna see this is just full-on like samba like da 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 it's just so ridiculous it's just like like, it's, I, it's been influenced by the fact that they're filming in Spain as well, and it's just yeah, this kind of Spanish sort of <laughs> jolly old music going on. Yeah, and it's just ridiculous is like the use of stock footage, which is like clearly like nothing, not in any way related to where they're filming. It's just blatant. Um, what I found interesting is so you mentioned there's a kidnapping plot. The little girls are having a great time being kidnapped at no point does a little girl sort of seem upset that she's being kidnapped because it's like she's just being looked after she's not being mistreated um yeah. it's just she's just having a cracking old time just with like these gangsters yeah she is and um there's just some amazing parts in this film like i say the the, the paper doll and the paper cat part there was that part <laughs> where the two kind of officers um see the woman and they go on about a nice thighs for a while <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh <laughs> yeah it was like a random outside scene where this woman's bathing herself in like a tin bath um it goes on for ages which is just like your kind of obligatory sort of uh, <laughs> tna yeah nudity like there um just for no reason whatsoever and the best part was like there's a scene where uh, the cannibals are kind of rummaging around about in the guts for ages and the, there's like this terrible music and there's like slurping noises 
slurping like whilst they're eating oh my God. I forgot about this and then they start like <laughs> gnashing the teeth at the camera like threateningly <laughs> and they also look like they're eating kind of sausages in like maybe tomato like tin tomatoes so they're having a good old like munch on these sausages but it's just so funny like that was my favorite part of the film well yeah it's just it's just ridiculous so like this girl shows the uh the the gangsters kind of where the hideout is and then she gets kidnapped by the cannibals now she just gets taken away she does nothing really seems to happen to her she's just lying on a slab not moving she could just in theory just get up and run away but she doesn't i don't know why and then they cut down her her, you know insides and it clearly cut away to something which is either like a cow or something or a pig probably and yeah like i said the the cannibals who are the least most uncannibal looking cannibals you've ever seen in your life blatantly just you know random people they found on the street doesn't matter what they look like there's one cannibal who looked really fat which i again i found hilarious this guy looked twice the size of the other cannibals he looked as if he'd been stealing all the other cannibals food <laughs> that's how fat this guy was and yeah they're not even eating the guts not even pretending to eat the guts they're sort of just randomly rubbing them against their mouth and you've got all these random scenes of skulls and then cannibals which are all men by the way so how they have have you know had children or anything like that i don't know because there are no female cannibals anywhere it's a massive cannibal sausage fest yeah and um then there's one the the usual uncomfortable rape scene for the shock value but it's contrasted with like a consenting sex scene which i just found really weird yeah that's i've had a massive problem with that because if you're going to show a rape you don't want to also intercut that and juxtapose that with a consensual sex scene because it's like what are you trying to do here this is ridiculous yeah, it was that was just so bad, and it was like it it does take the shock value away from it because it's really confusing. But it is like, what's the message here? You know, <laughs> it's just crazy. I just wanted to know why the woman had a rope with her. Oh yeah, yeah, that was just because she was in the bath, like you said, for ages. Because there's a lot of scenes in this film that go on for ages, and they just last for too long, and they just become awkward. And then all of a sudden she's just got a rope with her and the guy obviously uses it to tie her up. Yeah. And it's like, why have you got a rope with you? And then after that she cries about it to the the guy who just looks... Uh, his character's just so cheesy. He's just so weird. And um, she's like, she cries about it to him and she's like, oh, I've been raped. And then she like runs off to wherever they are in the house and she starts like flaunting herself about in a dress like yeah i know it's like she completely forgot oh yeah this guy raped me hours earlier oh yeah no it's fine i'm just gonna dance you know have a good old time you know she's like doing it in a kind of a sort of sexy way so it's almost like she's she's not over this like sexual trauma but then she's like oh hey everyone you know got my (laughs) got my dress on and looking kind of perfectly normal reaction to being raped you know clearly (laughs) just terrible and then so the probably the pinnacle of the film was the head on the platter, <laughs> the the grey head on the platter at the end, which was just so obviously fake. But it was the the shade of grey that they painted the head was just hilarious. I don't know if you picked up on that part. Yeah, um, some of my favourite parts just because th- this film, as I said, is fucking terrible. There's literally no point in sort of even discussing this seriously. Um, what I liked is there were just random animals on the street. There was just a peacock randomly wandering the street, uh, random parrots just in the house. Um, I like the fact that 
Um, you had this uh, the woman who's with the uh, the gangsters. She sort of is kind of flirting with this dude playing a Spanish guitar, and what he's playing, like I mean, I play musical instruments as I believe do you, and the notes he's playing do not match what's on the score in the slightest. Like literally, it's totally different. Things like that I find funny. Um, I really like how um, the guy who, so the owner of the house where they're hiding out. Uh, basically has the the gangster who rapes his wife killed and he does this by whistling and the cannibals are attracted by this so it's like they're dogs oh my god so terrible and and to make it even funnier the last there's a 10 minute section near the end of this film where literally nothing happens literally it's people wandering towards the cannibal tribe and the cannibals dancing just interspliced just these people walking really slowly and you've got two groups of people walking so you've got the gangsters and then you've got um the mother and daughter of of the child and like their friends wandering very slowly looking like dad's army because they're old and they're wearing like army fatigues and stuff so that's just how it looked to me and it just goes on for 10 minutes and nothing happens it is painful it's just it's oh my god guys that they say uh oh nice thighs and he goes you can say that again oh nice thighs <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so bad and um, did you i don't know if this was just um the sound like maybe the sound when i was watching it um on my mac but i found that there were like panting noises over the music and it was almost like they'd put that in there or whether it was just some kind of error with the recording or something. No, it, it probably was in there deliberately because I watched the same version of the film that you did. So it would have been there deliberately, I'm sure. Just referring back to my notes, I've put underneath that unbearable, so I must have really hated that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well, actually. Just unbearable. I, don't get me wrong, I had a great time watching it for the most part. Like that part that I mentioned where they're just wandering around for ages doing nothing, that part was unbearable for me, but the rest of it was just hilarious. Yeah, I was absolutely dying laughing at when they were um, gnashing their teeth at the camera and doing like the rummaging around in the in the guts and everything. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, so yeah, I actually rate this quite highly. I think I would recommend it as like a, a bad good movie that horror fans should watch because it's just so funny. <laughs> Not to be yeah. taken seriously. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it is. Is there are bits of it that are so bad it's good. A lot of it just really is just horrendously bad. It's like they had a forty-five minute film and they padded it out to eighty minutes. <laughs> really, because it, it literally, I mean, your synopsis lasted like thirty seconds, but that is basically what happens: is that they're gangsters, they need money, they kidnap the daughter of the, this rich couple, um, they go away because one of them kills a guy and they go away. Um and they hide out. One of them rapes the the owner of the house's wife. He gets killed by cannibals. They go off and sort of you know go to the cannibals. The mother and the husband and wife show up. They go after the cannibals as well. They get the daughter back from the cannibals. That's basically everything that happens in the film in thirty seconds. I really wish that I knew what the budget for this was. I'm like trying to find fifty p clearly. <laughs> It's just so low budget, low grade trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on um one of the review sites that I go on, um someone wrote put the review. This is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I've got another one here. 
this is such a mess of a movie that you find yourself entertained by the sheer spectacle of it, even though it's cheap, dull, and filled to the brim with just about nothing. How about the fact that it's shot in Benidorm, the mighty jungles of Benidorm, or that every cannibal is wearing loafers and kiss makeup? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, yeah, it's just... Oh. It also says here what, I, what I've stated before is that the human beings seem to contain sausages when opened up. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, I actually, I'm really glad this movie. <laughs> you've, turned yourself, you've turned it around. You went from hating this. You know what? I actually really enjoy this. Yeah, do you know, I enjoyed this much more than um, uh, Cannibal Apocalypse. <laughs> well, there you go. So sometimes it's better to be so bad it's good than just to be okay yeah because cannibal apocalypse was i would say mediocre and there wasn't much cannibalism in it whereas with this one you know they really try <laughs> 10 out of 10 for effort uh, <laughs> you get an a for effort man absolutely have a participation award yeah but yeah overall i'd recommend seeing that one just for the spectacle the sheer spectacle of it Definitely not a video nasty. I would say even with the rape scene, and that is slightly contentious for the BBFC, I suppose. But really, it's just so badly done. And I I didn't find it in any way disturbing. I'm going to say yes to video nasty, knowing that this was 1980 just for that rape scene. Um, But I can see what you mean about the rest of it. If they cut that out, then there wouldn't be much to go on here in terms of video nasties. But yeah, I found that scene incredibly uncomfortable, especially sort of interspliced with the consensual sex scene. It's like, what? Why did they think that that was a good idea? What kind of picture does that paint for us here? It's just like- yeah, it's just hey, everyone's having a good time, you know. Clearly. <laughs> um- so if you uh, enjoy the sound of Cannibal Terror and you want to sort of buy it on DVD, um, you can actually buy this in the UK right now. Um, it's available um, from Film 2000 is the name of the company that produced the DVD. Um, you can probably get it quite cheap, I imagine. Um, unfortunately, the director, I don't think he even made any other films after this. So clearly, like the experience of Cannibal Terror, he thought, or maybe he thought that, you know what, this is kind of, you know, I don't need to make any more films. I've said everything that I need to say here's where i retire (laughs) exactly (laughs) okay so that's the first three cannibal first that's the first three video nasties so that's three out of 72 um that we've discussed on the next show we will also be discussing cannibal uh video nasties um so um i look forward to discussing those with uh ria um on our next show um my name is greg knox i'm available on facebook i'm also available on twitter at i am the labyrinth um ria yep my name is ria friend alternative model and co-host and i am on instagram and twitter as at ria underscore friend and i'm on facebook on my public page as ria friend and that's f-e-n-d uh, I'd also like to say that from this show, I've taken away dog bombs. <laughs> and there you go. Apparently, yes, indeed, the Vietnam, the Viet Congs did in fact use dogs as bombs. There you go. Um, so if you see a dog, friendly dog on the street, um, you know, especially if it's like a big dog, like a German Shepherd, don't pet it because it might explode. Okay. And signing off for today. I'll see you next time. Thanks. Yeah, and um, I will see you all again on the very next show. Take care, everyone, and I leave you with a special surprise. (laughs) 